Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, good morning. Isn't that so uh, interesting once again to notice such devastation and then beauty in such a short uh, space. And so uh, it's not unlike where we are as well. Well, I mean, the beach is. It's not where we are. But, you know, where people can be doing so well and that people can be struggling so much. So it's so important uh, that we're part of all that. And uh, first service, I gave Pastor Vicente a little hard time because I mentioned that I've been on vacations to places less nice than a couple of those beaches. And, uh, but it's gonna be a blessing for them. And of course, Pastor Vicente is from Colombia, so it's also wonderful. Well, wanna welcome those watching and worshiping online. Thanks for being with us here today. My name is Derek, and I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration, and I'm continuing our Sizzling Summer Series. It's one month away from September which means summer has gone by way too fast. And uh, I always try about 30 days out to give an update about what we believe God is leading us into and gonna be happening in the fall. And so I wanna share a few of those exciting things. We call this a little bit of Vision Sunday, uh, but let me just share some of these things for this fall. And then uh, if you have a Bible, you could turn to 1 Peter chapter four. I will get there in a moment. It's gonna be an awesome day. Well, this fall, as I said, uh, September's kind of our fall launch, back to school, back to normal routines. And and uh, different things. And we are really excited. We've been having some meetings as a leadership team about um, how, how can we better experience all that God has for us. So we're really excited. September 4th is Labor Day weekend, but I'm going to be preaching and we're going to bring everybody all together. We're looking for ways to do that more and more. And so starting in September, this won't impact most of you nearly as much as it will impact other people. But in the afternoon on Sundays at 2.30, we have Celebration Francophone that meets upstairs in the chapel. And in an effort to uh, be together more, they are gonna switch to meeting at nine o'clock upstairs so then they could be with us before and after service. And it will make more sense with the next announcement to come as well. But so they're gonna shift to nine o'clock. One of our keys, we think, to our family here at Celebration is kids and youth ministry all together and then adult services with different languages. Um, so that'll be happening in September. But then on September 4th will be the first time, we're going to pretend it's a fifth Sunday of the month. It's not actually a fifth Sunday because it's September 4th, but every fifth Sunday going forward, it'll start on October 30th, but we're going to fake it on September 4th. We're all going to come together at the 9 and 1045 and English, Spanish, French, African, Francophone, Deaf Interpretation. Everybody's going to come together so that we have four times a year that we're all together. Basically, we used to do this on Wednesday night worship nights, but a lot of you people skip Wednesday night, so we're going to do it on Sunday instead. And you're going to be like, wow, I didn't know this ever happened. It used to happen on Wednesday. Now it's going to happen on Sundays, and that'll give me four times to preach to our whole church all at once. And so, well, not all at once, because it's still 9 and 1045, because we wouldn't be able to fit. But anyway, that's going to be awesome. Look forward to that. September 4th, I'm going to be preaching a double doors. And we're going to have teacher, teacher, double doors. If you're newer, many of you are, you don't know what that is. That's why I'm going to preach it on that day. And we're going to do back to school blessing for our teachers, our students. And we're just going to pray that God would open up doors for them this year. Amen. Also, uh, September 11th is kind of our back to church weekend, even though you're coming back the week before that or not even going away because you're here today. Anyway, we're gonna have s'mores for everybody and I'm beginning the brand new series for the fall from the book of Acts. I've titled it The Church 
belonging and becoming. And I believe that's going to be an awesome time. We're believing for miracles each week here at church. Can I get a good amen? Amen. September 18th, it'll be our Connect Lunch opportunity about every other month for people who are newer to Celebration to learn a little bit more, get to hear your story, and we get to share with you. And then September 25th, we have food trucks and football returning here to Celebration Church. That's right. And... um, since we have the biggest TV around, we're going to watch it down here. Food trucks will be right out here. It's going to be an awesome time. We have a former NFL player going to join us, uh, not just that day, but often, and he's going to share a little bit. At halftime, we'll do some prizes, some giveaways. It's going to be an awesome time to invite a friend, a neighbor, and a wonderful time here at church. A lot of other things going to be happening this fall. I'll be sharing them throughout the message, but some of the other ones fit a little bit more into the sermon points. Wednesday night, September 7th, we're going to start breaking up into men's group, women's group. His story, her story, will share a lot of things that God's been doing in people's lives. So, uh, but today's message is a little bit more about the why or the how than the what. I want to talk about hospitality. So if you have a Bible, 1 Peter chapter 4, if you would stand to your feet, if you're able this morning, want to read God's word to us. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, talking about hospitality and how it sets the table. First Peter chapter four, verses seven to 10, he wrote this. He said, the end of all things is near. I'd just like to mention that this was written more than two weeks ago. It was written more than two years ago. It was written more than 200 years ago. This was written a long time ago, you know, 2000 minus years ago, this was written. So if it was true back then, it's even more true now. Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> We don't know how quickly, we don't know how soon, but we want to be ready, amen? So he says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Remember, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago when my dad preached, talking about how the church has kind of fallen asleep. We've been lulled into that, right? He said, be alert and sober mind so that you may pray. Perhaps one of the reasons that Christians seem to pray a whole lot less now than they used to is because we've fallen asleep at the wheel. This, this is the call, the instruction for us to be alert and of sober mind so that we may pray. He goes on to say, above all, love each other deeply. <laughs> maybe we don't love each other deeply because we've forgotten to pray. <laughs> maybe no maybe about it. I think that's true. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. You may want to underline that in your teenager's Bible. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Uh, I've actually titled the message today, Hospitality Instead of Hostility. Hospitality instead of hostility. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've been given to gather and lift high that mighty and matchless name of your son, Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, give us all ears to hear what you're saying. May we become more like you, we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, each point today begins with similar words that hospitality sets the table. Whenever you're going to have company over, have a big event, there always is a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. It's that undeniable reality of preparation that is required. It's not fun. It's not easy. It's rarely glamorous, but it's required 
to make it possible for the main event, for people to come over, for people to be welcomed and to have a good time with you. On Friday, we had a number of families, rural pastor families from across Minnesota come to our house. And uh, so we were cooking, we were cleaning by we, I mean, my wife did most of that. I should just be honest, I'm preaching, don't want to lie to you here today, but uh, well, that would have been enough work on its own. I mean, you know exactly how it is. When you know people are coming over, you're, you're picking up things that the kids have left all over the house, you're vacuuming. I don't want to say how long it's been since you vacuumed, but you know, you're vacuuming. You want to present your home in the best way possible. You're pushing stuff in that closet. We do it, you do it, we all do it. We should just start leaving it out. Like, we all know what the deal is, you know? But, but So we're trying to prep this house. But the problem is, um, Thursday morning, our daughter Madison came upstairs and said, the laundry room is flooded. So I looked at my wife. I was like, babe, go check it out. I'm just kidding. We, we ran down, we ran down. I'm like, what am I gonna do about it? You know, like, so we ran down and the water heater had exploded. Now it's only six years old. And um, once I called Pastor Lewis, he told me how to turn it off. Don't judge me. Everybody needs a circle of people who will help you. And uh, he said, just turn that lever. So I, I flipped that lever. We turned it off. And, um, and so then I called the manufacturer of the water heater because it was like an inch of water in a couple of rooms. Thankfully, um, it was all just painted concrete. So we didn't have to rip out any carpet or any lasting damage like that kind of stuff. But I called um, the manufacturer of the water heater uh, that was six years old, and they said, uh, I'm sorry, the warranty expired two days ago. Come on, so this, am I on candy camera? Like, are we playing a practical joke on the pastor? I'm like, two days ago, you know, but uh, then they hooked me up. They were like, we'll give you another one, but it's not gonna have a warranty. I was like, well, right now I have a broken one. So anyway, it like exploded on the inside. They don't know what happened. It was like bullet holes had gone in it, but I live in Prior Lake, so it wasn't bullet holes, you know? And so like, it was just like exploding water was going out against the walls and different things out the middle. I don't know, it was like disfigured. It was, it was bad. And uh, the plumber was like, I don't know what happened. I was like, Clearly, I don't either, sir. I'm a pastor, not a plumber, you know? And, and uh, so I don't know what happened, but it was like, it was stressful, which means we were preparing for company for two days without hot water. Yeah. And we were not one of those families that quit taking showers during COVID like some of y'all. Did you read those studies? They said showers dropped like 40% during COVID. What is wrong with y'all? We can smell you on Zoom. You know what I'm saying? Like, take a shower. You're nasty. And so anyway, it was two days and we had company coming over and it was not done by the time, but as company was leaving, then the plumber was there working on it. So praise the Lord, that was good timing. But anyway, we had a hot shower since then, so I smell fine this morning, amen. You know, but it was just like a lot of work, but you've been through that too, when people are coming over and if something's gonna go wrong, it sure will when other people are gonna see it. You know, like where was the water heater breaking during COVID when you were not taking a shower? It wouldn't have mattered as much. We couldn't wash the dishes. There was different problems and it was like, what is going on? So we had all of this stress, but we were going through the difficult work of preparing for people. You do it as well, why? Because we believe relationships matter. Contrary to what some people had said over the last two years, we know that people, human interactions are worth it. They're needed. Our human uh, sanity is largely tied to interacting with others. We understand that right in prison. Solitary confinement is an additional punishment. So we know that it's worth it. Even if sometimes we're like, oh, it's a lot of work and all that. Whenever we've been with friends, we know. We were like, man, I'm glad we did that. 
you know, it, it's kind of like getting ready for church. You're like, ah, oh, it's a lot of work, you know, but when you come, you're like, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. See you next week. Um, but so today's message is all about hospitality because there's a difference between welcoming people to the table and saying, figure it out for yourself or preparing a table that says you're welcome here, you're accepted here. And we live in a time, we live in a society where hostility is far more common than hospitality. And sadly, this is true quite often within the household of faith as well. This is not just a problem of they and them out there somewhere. This is a reality. We've lost this art. We've lost this commitment as a people to hospitality. People rant and rave about others who are different than them. Looking for the next target of someone they used to be just alike, but then they found out one thing and now they hate them too. People huddle up with just a few who look and sound the same as them on a few preferred topics. But you and I, dear brothers and sisters, are not called to only associate with those we are the same as. <laughs> but we are to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. All right, hopefully you got a note sheet there. Number one, hospitality sets the table for experiencing the presence of God. Hospitality sets the table for experiencing the presence of God. Now, if you've been with us for a while, or maybe you paid attention in the lobby on your way in, all four of these points are about our commitments as a church, experiencing the presence of God, reaching the lost, helping the hurting, strengthening the family. So if you want to cheat and fill in all the blanks, I just gave you all the answers, but that's what we're talking about today in this Vision Sunday. What does it look like? How are we going to accomplish everything that God has called us to do? So today, throughout the message, you're going to see two different tables. One that is prepared, one that is led by somebody hospitable, and the other one from Pastor David. Sorry, Jess, I don't know. Obviously, you didn't help him out today, but his office is decorated nicely, but his table is kind of pathetic. And so here we go. It's not enough just to say, well, we've got a table for you. The question is, will we prepare it for others? Here's what we read in John chapter 12, verses one to following. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and Martha served while Lazarus was among those who reclined at the table with him. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And I love this. The Bible says the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. <laughs> what was taking place between those two was undeniable by everybody. It, filled the whole house. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews, verse 9 says, found out that Jesus was there and came not only for him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. A little Bible, uh, not trivia, but history lesson. If you're newer, maybe it's a reminder if you've been here a while, but Lazarus was somebody who Jesus loved and he had been quite sick. The Bible says that Mary and Martha sent word ahead to Jesus, to his disciples to say, hey, Lazarus, the one that you love is sick. And Jesus waited. <laughs> he didn't hurry off. And, and, and in man's timeline, Jesus got there late because Lazarus died. 
But Jesus was operating on kingdom, uh, on the kingdom of heaven's timeline, and, and he needed Lazarus to die so that he could demonstrate his power as the resurrection and the life. But Mary and Martha, they had lost their mind. They were freaking out. They were like, oh, and, and you know, it wasn't just Mary and Martha that were freaking out. Think about the other people that were around Mary and Martha as well. They're thinking Jesus loves Lazarus, and he didn't hurry to get there to Lazarus. <laughs> Well, if Jesus won't hurry to help somebody he loves, what's he gonna do to the people he doesn't even like? That's a real question you gotta ask. Maybe this was the origination of the phrase, with friends like that, who needs enemies? Jesus took his time, but he was operating on his father's time. And when he got there, he commanded Lazarus Lazarus to come forth. And the Bible says he'd been in there four days. He was four days dead. He smelled, like some of you during COVID. Lazarus had not taken a shower. He had come forth. They, he said, take off the grave clothes. And there was something that happened. It was witnessed by everyone there that day. The man named Lazarus who was sick and died. He was buried in the grave. But when Jesus showed up and he called him forth, that resurrection power brought him out of the grave. And now Lazarus was alive and well. And he decided to throw Jesus a party. Jesus, Mary, and Martha, they threw Jesus a party. And everybody likes a party people are just looking for a reason to celebrate, you know, and so they threw a party in Jesus' honor. I, you know, people celebrate a lot of crazy stuff these days. How much more should we celebrate our risen Savior, Jesus? And so people got together. They heard Jesus was coming. They were invited to the party, and they said, that's a party. I want to be at the place was packed, and then worship occurred. It was a private moment between Mary and Jesus, but it impacted the entire public. What took place, I wonder, am I willing to worship in a way that changes everybody else around me? Like, am I willing to love Jesus in such a way that there's no question by anyone around me who I love and what I'm willing to do for him? Mary demonstrated her love. It wasn't for everybody else. It was for Jesus, but what was for Jesus impacted everybody else. Hospitality, just preparing the house. We focus a lot on on the worship, on the perfume that filled the house, and everybody knew Jesus was there. But how about all the work that went into place to plan the dinner party in honor of Jesus, to invite people there so that when that encounter happened, everybody said the whole house was was filled. I wonder, are you and I willing to pay the price so that other people can experience the presence of God for themselves? You know, each time we gather here at Celebration Church, we are anticipating an experience in the presence of God. We don't just come out of religious routine or because we have nothing else going on. We set these times aside on our calendar and we expect to encounter the supernatural. We ought not be surprised when God intervenes in our situations because it's what we should be expecting or anticipating. I don't mean it in an entitled way, but we ought to come with faith-filled prayers. We ought to come with our hopes high that God will do what only he can do. We come expecting to encounter the supernatural, and we want to be prepared for those who will come and have yet to meet Jesus for themselves. Right? We want things to be in place so the environment is conducive for a supernatural encounter. I'm not saying 
that you can't meet Jesus at an undecorated table. I'm just saying it's a lot easier if somebody will put a tablecloth down. (laughs) They're both tables, but there's a significant difference, as we'll see throughout the morning, between one that just kind of says, here, figure it out for yourself, and one that says, we've got everything prepared for you. Joshua Jip said it this way. He said, hospitality is the act or process whereby the identity of the stranger is transformed into that of a guest. Hospitality is what takes somebody from a stranger to a guest. While hospitality often uses the basic necessities of life, such as the protection of one's home and the offer of food, drink, conversation, and clothing, hear this, the primary impulse of hospitality is to create safe and welcoming places where a stranger can be converted into a friend. Could it be that hospitality is the missing link in many of our lives today? The practice of hospitality to strangers very frequently hopes to create relationships and friendships between those who were previously either alienated at enmity or simply unknown to one another. Hospitality seeks to bring people together. We've talked about it before that we want this place to be a safe place for people to find and follow Jesus. And therefore, we're intentional in our preparations. We know that painting walls and putting colorful decals on the wall, like down the kids, people are not going to get saved because the walls have been painted. You need to know that, okay? It's just important. You need to know that theologically. (laughs) Nobody will see the little wall decals that I can see through the windows because I'm looking this way and you're looking at me, but I'm looking at those decals. Nobody will see those and be like, what must I do to be saved? This is, I I bow my knee to four different neon colors. (laughs) But it might create an environment that says we're prepared for you. And in that environment, when the gospel is presented, they can meet Jesus for themselves right? It says we're prepared so you're not an unexpected visitor. Rather, you are a guest of honor. Serve teams are crucial to this endeavor as preparations on this scale. Every week, we require more than just a few people doing something. We are all part of that team that helps others experience the presence of God. Number two, hospitality sets the table for reaching the lost. This is how we're going to do this, how we're going to help reach people in this community. Hospitality sets the table for reaching the lost. Wow, Pastor David, that's a leftover um, paper towel. If any bathroom's out, Pastor David took the last one. That's awesome. Thank you. Styrofoam plate and a red solo cup. Don't knock them. You know what I'm saying? That, that might be all right, Pastor David. You're getting better. And uh, Pastor Lewis... I'm not going to lie. You did not design this. My wife did. So way to go. But that's great. Oh, we got a placemat. What are those for? They look good, but nobody wants them. Anyway, okay. But it sure looks good, right? It looks more welcoming. It looks more hospitable. And it sets the table for reaching the lost. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. He says, keep on. The author of Hebrews says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. 
For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. <laughs> I think all of us would show hospitality if we knew it. The question is, will we, will we be hospitable when we don't know it? <laughs> but this really is the next logical step, right? People in the house, uh, when Mary worshiped Jesus, they smelled the aroma. They, they experienced that presence of God. They were there in the atmosphere of worship But being around worship is not enough. Each of us must choose to worship, must choose to follow Jesus for ourselves. So it's not just enough for us to experience the presence of God. We need people who will be reached for the glory of God. We must be committed to reaching the lost. And this is why we always want to create opportunities for people to say yes to Jesus. It, it was, my wife mentioned it jokingly, but when we were uh, in Branson, Missouri for a couple of days with the Ross family earlier this summer, and we were in Silver Dollar City, the theme park, there was different shows, magicians, singers, um, uh, square dancers, and different things. You know, I almost said like singers and dancers, but it was, it, it was Branson, Missouri. So, you know, they had a lot of layers and clogging shoes on. So, um, but at like the end of all the shows, it seemed like all the artists, all the performers would give an altar call. They're like, man, Jesus changed my life. If you want to get saved, you can get saved now. I was like, where are we? You know, we're like a theme park and people are getting saved. I almost got saved after going on a big ride. You know, I was like rededicated. You know, you will get right with the Lord. You know, but anyway, uh, and my wife leaned over to me and she said, you know, I think they've given more altar calls in this theme park than in some churches in Minnesota. She was half joking, but that means she was half serious. It's a concern that I see these days, right? That, that we just, oh, well, you know, just go along, just be, right? We've, we've perverted come just as you are to become just stay that way forever, right. right? When we come to Jesus, we do come just as we are. We bring our sin, we bring our shame, we bring our shortcomings. But when we meet Jesus, the Bible says the old is gone and the new has come. We become a new creation. So when the lost becomes found, it demands, it requires, it necessitates a change to happen. We've got to be different and we need to call people to be different. I'm committed to the long-term step. What did Jesus say? Go into all the world and make disciples. That takes a long time. But making a disciple begins with making a decision. Right? To say yes to Jesus. I want to turn my back on the way that I've been going. I want to abandon my selfish ways. I want to leave my sinful ways and nature and, and desires behind. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to go a new way. I want to be made new. When we baptize people next week, they're not going to say, I was pretty good without Jesus. Now I'm okay too. That's not the declaration. That's not the testimony. The testimony is I've been made new. Even if I was doing okay without Jesus, I wouldn't have done okay for all of eternity. But because he's saved me, because he's changed me, now I can live for him. It requires a change. It requires a turning of things. I'm so thankful to be part of a church that has a history, a heritage, a testimony of calling people to repentance, giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ. This past week, uh, for two days, I was down in Orlando sharing with uh, about 375 of our leaders from the Assemblies of God, and I was talking with, how did I write this in my notes, Um, a few of the senior ministers. 
who said they had known Lowell Lundstrom even before he became a pastor and he was an evangelist. Maybe if you're newer, uh, our founding pastor, Lowell Lundstrom, uh, had done a bunch of tent crusades, traveled with his family, was in small towns and big towns, a lot here in the Midwest. And I grew up in Seattle. Um, That was a long way for a tent crusade to make it out there. So I don't think he got there. But, you know, here in the Midwest, small towns, big towns, all over the place. And, And some of these senior ministers just remarked how often a crusade that people came, gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Uh, our, our Minnesota district superintendent, the leader of the Assemblies of God here in the state of Minnesota, said yes to Jesus in one of those tent nights. So we, we can never stop giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And I enjoyed even this last week hearing stories from some of those senior ministers that, that expressed the commitment to reaching the lost that's part of the DNA of this house long before I was your pastor, long before this church was planted. And factually, if we go back and look at uh, Lowell Lundstrom's evangelistic ministry, long before I was even born. That's a long time ago. And that's our heritage, to give people a chance. I remember even in high school, my youth pastor said, quit saying no for other people. Give them a chance. (laughs) You know, so many times we go around like, oh, they wouldn't want to say yes to Jesus. Well, how do you know? You weren't always awesome either, friend. You know, like somebody took a chance and gave you and I an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. We need to be committed. And I just want you to know, friends, hospitality communicates we're ready for you. We're prepared for you. You're not unexpected to us. We are ready for you. Henry Nguyen in his book, Reaching Out, said it this way. He said, our society seems to be increasingly full of fearful, defensive, aggressive people who are anxiously clinging to their property and inclined to look at the surrounding world with suspicion. They're always expecting an enemy to suddenly appear, to intrude, and to do harm. But still, he says, this is our vocation, to convert the hostess into hospice, the enemy into a guest, and to create the free and fearless space where brotherhood and sisterhood can be formed and fully experienced. That is what we are called to do. And when Jesus comes into our lives. He changes everything. But therein lies, in Henry's comments, the missing ingredient or element for many Christians' lives, my opinion. If they're constantly living in fear of other people who are different than they are, maybe let's personalize it. If we are constantly living in fear of people who are different than we are, how in the world do we expect to get close enough to them to tell them about Jesus? I was talking with a uh, young man yesterday at men's breakfast, and um, he's uh, six months in at his time at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, and he said, you know, he'd been, he just was living addicted, problem, had a bad accident right out here, right outside our church on this, um, uh, what's it called, a side road? Frontage road, thank you. I'm not from here. We don't have those in the south. <laughs> There's a dirt road in the south, you know, <laughs> on the frontage road between us and Buck Hill. And he said he got in a bad car accident six months ago. It was in the winter, and he wrecked right there. And uh, he called and got into Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge because he knew his, his life. He wasn't going to make it. He wasn't going to make it. And he said he came and rededicated or gave his heart to Jesus Christ, and, and everything changed for him in that moment. As I was sitting there talking with him at the breakfast, you could tell he was just a totally different man. He said, you know, pastor, for the first time in my life, I don't have to sleep with one eye open. 
You know, that was not really a struggle that I've ever felt, you know, unless I skipped curfew and I was like, did my dad catch me? You know, but like, that's a whole different kind of sleeping with one eye open. And he said, I'm no longer worried of who will come up on me while I'm asleep. But he said, most of all, pastor, I don't have to sleep wondering what would happen if I don't wake up. He said, I know if today's my day, I'll spend eternity with Jesus. (laughs) He said, Jesus has changed everything. You know, that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the commitment to reaching the lost. It's more than self-help. It's more than don't do bad things and don't get a ticket. Come on. It's Jesus will come and will change everything from the inside out. He says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. I would say, keep on loving them, even if they're not brothers and sisters, (laughs) because you don't really know who might become a brother or sister in the days to come. Number three, hospitality sets the table for helping the hurting. It sets the table for helping the hurting. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, Luke chapter 14, do not invite your friends, your brothers or your sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and you will be repaid. Verse 13, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor. Invite the crippled, invite the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Why? Because although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. We continue to see, well, look at this table. We've got decorations. Clearly they're leftover though. This is chip. Can you guys see that? That's That's terrible, Pastor David. Why would you do that? We'll put that in his office. Big, this is from my house. That's fantastic. I just recognize that. Look at that. <laughs> That's funny. I did this illustration first service and I did not notice that. But uh, attentiveness, not hospitality. Okay, so anyway, uh, fresh flowers. And that one flower fell off, so I'm going to take that away so you don't see it. Praise the Lord. You know, it's real flowers. You got to water them anyway. So we, we need to set the table. We need to be committed to helping the hurting. We participate in this locally and globally. We should all be looking for ways to be a blessing to those in need. I think some church folk have gotten a bad rap online lately. There's a lot of bloggers pointing the finger at prosperity preachers and those who are believing with them for a blessed life. But I just want to say we, at least here at Celebration, know that we are blessed to be a blessing to those in need around us. Um, You know, the Good Samaritan had the means to back up what he felt for the man who was beaten and robbed. Um, Bishop Walter Harvey serves as the president of the National Black Fellowship for the Assemblies of God. He pastored in the inner city of Milwaukee for uh, 20 years. And he said this to me, he said, we need compassion and capacity to care for the hurting in our community. We need compassion and capacity to care for the hurting in our community. Now, he's traveling the nation now, helping lead efforts to help out in our urban pain points across the nation. And just so we're clear, the urban pain points of our nation is not Lakeville. Slightly more north. Come on, somebody. But he's going around the country and he's emphasizing this need. Yes, we need compassion. If you don't have any compassion, you won't give a rip about who's hurting. But he's highlighting the need, which kind of goes against this whole, oh, you, you know, don't be blessed. I don't really understand that. But we need compassion and capacity because compassion without capacity won't do much. 
Not saying it's no good. You, you can, you know, talk to people and all that. But if there's something about having capacity, the ability to do something combined with the compassion of our heart, when we combine the work of our hand and the feelings of our heart, then we can really do something significant for the hurting all around us. Rosaria Butterfield said it this way. She said, radically ordinary hospitality. Think about that, that ordinary hospitality has become radical these days <laughs> because normal is just, just take care of ourselves, just look at our own stuff and figure this out. And she's like, radically ordinary hospitality. She said this, those who live with it see strangers as neighbors and neighbors as family of God. They recoil at reducing a person to a category or a label. That's a whole message right there in that sentence. They recoil at reducing a person to a category or a label, or I would add in this season or a campaign speech or promise agenda item. They see God's image reflected in the eyes of every human being on earth. They take their own sin seriously including the sin of selfishness and pride. They know they are not unlike meth addicts and sex trade workers. Therefore, they take God's holiness and goodness seriously. They use the Bible as a lifeline with no exceptions. Those who live out radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom. I love this. She said, they open doors and they seek out the underprivileged. They know that the gospel comes with a house key. Wow, wow. So how about us? Are we keenly aware of our own sinful tendencies? Are we deeply grateful for the grace of God that transformed our lives? Are we willing to give without expectation of being repaid? Will we be committed to helping the hurting? Practically speaking, Pastor Lewis mentioned <clears throat> a little bit of that. The last three Wednesdays of this month, August 17th, 24th, 31st, we're going to have um, outreach opportunities, care opportunities where we'll make sandwiches for homeless or, or hungry people in the area. We'll prepare care packages for some moms who were uh, a bit underprepared for their pregnancy or perhaps having just given childbirth. We'll have invite packs for things here at the church. So there's going to be a, lot, a few opportunities to be part of those things where we're helping the hurting, but I want to caution us that we don't limit our care for the hurting to just programs at church but rather to be constantly on the lookout for those around us in need. All right, and just one more, since you asked the way that you can help be a blessing to helping the hurting, you asked, you, you did, you, you kept there, you were silent. I took that as a question. Um, as I mentioned, you know, um, it's back to school season and we're gonna do that back to school blessing for teachers and students. And on that Double Door Sunday, we'll have an offering and we wanna give gift cards to all the teachers as they're, not going into teaching profession for the high salary, but they're going there to help other kids. And so many kids show up without school supplies and oftentimes teachers buy it for those kids. And so we're gonna have that offering. We're gonna give them and other families that need that help a boost, some gift cards for those school supplies. So we'll look for that on September 4th. Number four, 
Hospitality sets the table for strengthening the family. Hospitality sets the table for strengthening the family. Romans 12, 13, this is a continuation of the text that Pastor Lewis preached from last week, said, share with the Lord's people who are in need. I love hearing about that. See pictures sometimes on social media. I hear stories from people in the church about how different families have gotten together and they go together to either bless somebody anonymously or give a gift, you know, and I love hearing those kind of things. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. And I love this. It's interesting for us, important. He says, practice hospitality. Now, sometimes we can read that as practice because you're not good at it. That would be a good step, right? If you are not good at it. If your idea of hospitality is sandwich bread made with enriched wheat flour, get your own, you know, loaf. There you have it. You know, it's sliced. Praise the Lord. That plate just cracked by setting sliced bread down. That's high quality styrofoam right there. You know, it's applicable, right? This table says, figure it out. If that's our idea, then practice, get better at it. Sliced bread, that's nice. This person does not have kids. I can tell that kind of goblet right there. They do not have kids at their house. The kids are in bed by the time the adults. Okay, anyway, so practice hospitality. If you're not good at it, get an Instagram. It'll show you how to be better at hospitality. They're like, make it pretty. That's, get help. Even, Jack, do you still have Instagram or did you get rid of that? No, you had Pinterest. Sorry, did I just put you on blast in front of everybody? <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. <laughs> Jim was in a, Jim, Jack was in a motorcycle club, allegedly, and even he had Pinterest. So it's okay, you can make it better. Practice hospitality. If it's guys only, this will work. Maybe. Huh. But practice, but really, I don't think it's just about that one-time practice. I think it's an ongoing commitment to being hospitable, right? This is not something that we do once, mark off our spiritual to-do list, give ourselves a spiritual gold star, and then go back to our selfish living. We need to practice hospitality. Why? Because selfishness comes natural. But hospitality requires ongoing practice, ongoing commitment. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, the truth is you could probably throw these scripture passages and points in a hat and pull them out and put them together because every scripture verse is kind of applicable to every point. And that's kind of the point. This is all about hospitality. How are we going to make it work? This is more than taking one, cherry picking one Bible verse from here or there to make it say what I want it to say. You know, there's a lot of conflict in uh, amongst self-professing Christians these days, all using the Bible to put down the other person. You know, it's the same Bible. But when you use your own view and search for scripture to take something out of it, you can make it say almost whatever you want. But the key to reading scripture is not getting it to say what we want it to say, but reading what God has to say. This is the point, friends. Like We need to go to the whole of Scripture and read all that it has to say, and hospitality does set the table for the relationships that will happen. 
You know, this is, Celebration is a generous church. Why? Because it's filled with generous people. It's not like a value you can put on the wall and say the entity is this. The entity is kind of nothing. But it's people. Right? Like, like factually speaking, I don't know if you know how this works, but the entity, Celebration Church, can't give away anything that doesn't have people giving it in the first place. That's how it works. I don't know if you knew that. We don't have like a magic money printer upstairs and we just mail it out around the world. Woo! No, like, but when the people give, then the entity, the church, gives out. That's why, as we see what God is doing around the world, it's great to be part of this because it's, it's a people who are saying, I'm going to live generously. I'm going to live a large life that cares about those in my local community and all around the world. That includes strengthening the family. Be hospitable. There's something about relationships that are formed around a table. I don't know if you noticed the increase, the uptick in hostility in our day. Um, I think when, when a lot of face-to-face or around-the-table conversations diminished and screen-to-screen comments increased, we had an increase of hostility as we had a decrease of hospitality. Because there's something about humans that we tend to say things to a screen that's like we forget that the issue we're talking about is a person that reads it on the other side. And if we'll get back to a full 18 inches between our plates, if we'll get back to three feet away, face-to-face conversations, if we'll get back to a table, we could all be reminded of the humanity of the person that we're sitting with. There's something special that happens around a table. There's something diffusing about food and drink. And for the record, if this is all you got, this is better than just typing on a screen. At least it's a table and you got some some bread, get some mayonnaise and tomato sandwiches. Do y'all do that up here? I don't think so. That's a Southern thing. Okay, scratch that illustration. I've been here seven years. I should have figured it out. Hot dish, casserole, white bread. I don't know, whatever. Okay, anyway, broke it again. That's, that's a terrible plate. Let's just move on. Look at that. I'm telling you right there. It's, it's anyway. So it's better than nothing, but how much more if we would be hospitable that people would know that our table is a safe place to come. If we disagree or if we agree, if we root for the same team or if we root against each other, that the table would be a place. You know, I remember growing up, and uh, we'd sit around the table. We'd had a lot of conversations in our house around the table. I remember talking with my mom and dad. Sometimes we'd talk about sports. Uh, every day we'd talk about school. But, you know, we also talked about spiritual things. I can remember strangers would be invited over for dinner. And it wouldn't take long for my dad to make sure the conversation broached spiritual things. Because there's something that happens when we've been fed. One of our, 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 our uh, compassion partners, Convoy of Hope, right? They say it's hard to hear the good news of Jesus <laughs> over the rumblings of your tummy if you've got an empty stomach. So we want to be those kind of people who say, you know what? You're welcome at this table. And I think one of the cool things about this is you don't have to have a big table to be hospitable. Like, I remember a year ago, I was talking with our team. We need to enlarge the table. We need to expand the responsibilities, the leadership base of the church. And that makes sense. But what I love about this concept, this message, the importance of hospitality is you don't need a big table. 
to be hospitable. Sometimes we think, oh, well, if I had a big old dining room table like I was King George II with 20 chairs, then I could be hospitable. Could you be hospitable with just one other person? The truth is we could squeeze it in. I could be hospitable with a table this size. We're gonna have to get rid of one of those uh, little plate things that my wife bought, you know, but we could figure it out. You could be hospitable in whatever size table you have. And here's what I know about human interaction. We actually need tables of all sizes because some people want to eat at a big table and some people want to eat at a small table. And if we all have the same size table, other people will feel left out. So whatever our size table, the key is not the size of our table, it's the level of our hospitality. And just so we're clear, I'm not preaching about decorations anymore. Some are like, I gotta get flowers. That's not the point of the sermon. (laughs) It's how you live. It's the words that you say. It's the openness of your life that says, come to the table that has been prepared for you. I close with this and our team's gonna lead us. Oh, about tables. We got a new group starting October 2nd, Pastor Josiah throughout the month of September will be having signups for those. I just wanna say, we need more tables for people to gather around. So there's some groups that'll happen here at church. There's some groups that'll happen in homes. Uh, We still got time. You can sign up to lead one, different topics, different scenarios, but we need all kinds of tables to handle what God's gonna do in this community, amen? So talk to Pastor Josiah, October 2nd. It's coming. It's gonna be awesome. I close with this there on the bottom of your notes. A great summary for our calling as Christians is that we are called to create hospitable spaces in hostile places. That's what we're called to do to create hospitable spaces in hostile places. You know, sometimes I get a little um, preacher jealous. That's the thing. I don't know what it is. It's not as bad of a sin as regular jealousy. I don't know, but so I got pastor friends that pastor, you know, in different places around the country and different states, different communities. Let's just say there's a um, acceptable level of Bible knowledge in a community that quite honestly makes it a little bit easier to preach or or live in. Seems like values of the community line up a little bit more with the preferred item and the word of God. And sometimes I get frustrated with uh, our lives here. Because I've lived in different places around the country, but Minnesota is a different place. But I'm just so reminded, it actually is easier. Earmuffs to those friends who are watching from the South that you watch me every week, but... I think it might be easier for us to live this out where we are. Now, I know some people are moving away, like Eddie. He's like, oh, I don't like the cold. I'm moving to Oklahoma City. (laughs) Whatever. You're retiring. We give you a pass. Everybody else, you don't get to leave. (laughs) If I'm here, you're here. Okay, so why not? Like how much more noticeable is it? We've talked about this in regards to faith and healing, right? That, That we're not just people of faith after we get a healing. We're not just people of faith after we get a miracle. I think our faith is actually more noticeable while we're still waiting for our healing, while we're still waiting for our miracle because anybody celebrates when you win. (laughs) But it takes a person, a man or woman of faith to say, I still believe God while I'm waiting. When everybody else says you should give up, when everybody else says you should turn it in, I still believe. The same is true for us when it comes to hospitality. The more hostile the place, the more noticeable the hospitable space will be. 
So maybe you, you go to a place and you're the only Christian at your workplace. Did you know your lunch table could be the only hospitable space that they encounter all week? Maybe in your neighborhood, seems like they're all following things contrary, different things. You, you can make your little piece of property, your apartment, your townhome, your backyard, your, you can make it a hospitable space where people can know. See, we... I don't want to push so much for a decision that we forget we also need a process. And, and maybe you'll live your life in such a way where they can know there's a safe place at the table. That when they get the bad doctor's report, when the kid goes crazy, when things don't go right, they know where that hospitable space is. And we need it to be at a believer's house. See, so one of the lies, first service didn't get this and we're over time, but you're going to get it anyway. One of the lies in our society right now, from other agendas and ideologies, lies from the pit of hell, is that our space, I don't mean Christians, I'm talking about the agenda, the lie, the identity, saying that our space, it's hospitable. Oh, it's safe for you, come on over here. Oh, in that space, that Christian space, oh, that's the evil space, There, right? That's one of the lies, come to this space. And I think it's, incumbent upon us, it's all the more important that we demonstrate differently than what the enemy is trying to circulate in our community. I've mentioned it before, right? That we see crazy pastors interviewed online and TV. I actually read an article this week. I was so thankful they said, you know, it doesn't seem like most pastors are like that, but it's not newsworthy. I was like, thank you. <laughs> the crazy Christians are the ones that get a million views on YouTube and those kinds of, but you know, let's not be those people, but let's be people who would just be hospitable so that our unsaved neighbor, our lost friend, our coworker would say, well, I hear these other stories about crazy Christians, but the ones I've met, they seem pretty normal. They seem pretty loving. They seem pretty open to helping me in my place. Let's be those kind of people that have said, hey, there's a place that's prepared for you. Now, why do we get to do that? Because Jesus did it for us, right? This is more than just have snacks in your kitchen for an unannounced guest. <laughs> We're talking about spiritual things, right? We have to remember, Jesus set the table for us and he didn't set it with leftovers. The Bible says, for God gave his one and only, his best, he gave his one son, Jesus. He set the table for us. And I want us to be reminded this morning, this is what Paul said in Ephesians chapter two. Hopefully, by the way, as I read this, if you have a communion element, did you get one on the way in? If you didn't get one, would you just raise your hand? We've got some hosts that would love to bring you a communion element. If you're gluten-free, you can make your way there in the back corners as well. And, uh, but if you need a communion element, just raise your hand. We've got hosts that will come serve you. This is what Paul said in Ephesians chapter two. He said, remember that at a time you were separate from Christ. You weren't at the table. You were all alone. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope and without God in the world. <laughs> he said, remember, you weren't always here. You weren't always, but now, I love that. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You know, the truth is, friends, our sin takes us far away. 
Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It creates a cavern. It creates a chasm between us and God. Our sin is what puts us far away from him. Going our own way, following our own desires. The Bible says that there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it's the way of death. That's what sin does. It, it puts us far away from God. But I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus that the Bible says it brings us near. It does what we can't do. When we do our thing, it's sin. It takes us away. But what did the blood of Jesus do? It, it brings us near. So I want to be a Christian that does what the blood of Jesus does, and it brings people near. Because the true presentation of the gospel doesn't push people away, it brings people in. Whenever Jesus encountered people lost in their sin and going their own way, he brought them in and they left changed. They left radically different after just a moment with the master. It brings people near. And so today we gather at a prepared table. You know, at Celebration, we believe in open communion. You don't have to be a member of this church. You just need to be a follower of Jesus and say, that's my savior. Then we would invite you to receive communion with us because it's not our table. Therefore, it's not our rules. It's not celebration's table. It's it's the Lord's table. And he says, whoever will surrender their life to me, man, woman, boy, girl, young, old, Jew, Gentile, those near and far off, the table, it's been prepared for us. I'm going to ask if you would hold those elements. I'm going to ask the team to lead us in this song for just a moment. Have my heart. You know, if you're here and you're not right with God, you could pray right where you are. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. Cleanse me from the inside out. You can leave your way of life of sin that's taking you to death. You can leave that behind because the blood of Jesus draws you near. You can leave made whole. You can leave made new. You can leave with right relationship with God. Not because of what you have done, not because of what I have done, but because of what Jesus has done. The blood of Jesus offers to you and to me forgiveness of our sin. So even as the team leads us in this song and each of us hold these elements, I'm gonna ask all of us to to pray, to reflect, to think on the price that Jesus paid for us. If you're here and you've already given your life to Christ, be reminded that it was your sin and mine that warranted the death of our Savior Jesus. Let's be reminded that we weren't always as good as we are now. There was a time in our life where we desperately needed his forgiveness, his saving grace. And man or woman, if that's you and you're like, I'm not right with God, you can be in just that moment as the team sings this song, have my heart. Why don't you offer your heart? Why don't you offer your life to him this morning? You can be forgiven and be made new. Would you lead us, Elisa, here this morning? We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.